would people know where they are by this point, right? Like if we didn't I do the so. intro. Okay. I recorded this too, so Okay. <laughs> I think it'll be an off putting start, but we'll jump right in. <laughs> they know they're at play on K, which is what I just said. That's where they are. But hey. we're doing a different style because one of our favorite <laughs> listeners, one of our most beloved listeners, Josh, said that they liked our longer episodes and that it was okay if we went long, which I convoluted into meaning they wanted just more content. Just, just make your episodes as long as humanly possible is what I read. You don't even have to talk about K-dramas. Just talk. And we said, we hear you. Also, another... uh big advocate for us who we love so much emily's husband jason said you could just talk at the time like you should you should talk and just his faith in the fact that he thinks that we can be entertaining for any (laughs) period of time when we're not just talking about what we told everyone we would talk about and (laughs) there's it just the faith that he has in our ability to to entertain people who aren't each other because you entertain me a lot yeah. but i don't know you entertain like, me i said yeah. yes strongly like i also entertain me yes <laughs> but no you you entertain me and i think we've got a good thing a lot of our most positive reviews thank you to our lovely reviewers who leave comments on apple podcasts about liking our show thank you have said that the good thing about our show is that it feels like just sitting with your best friends, which I think when we started, we were much more confident in our ability to make this a very comedic podcast, like an entertainment, a little comedy show, if you will. And then we really missed that mark, and now it's just two best friends riffing. And I think we need to capitalize on that just a little bit more and bring you behind the scenes, because, yeah... You're our best friends at this point because we talk about K-dramas together. But what if we talked about just a tiny bit about our real lives together as well? Would that be fun? What if we did both? Porcano lost us. We've definitely tried it in the past. I don't, but it wasn't maybe, I mean, it it was about as organic as this has been, (laughs) probably. (laughs) About as organic as one of those pre-peeled oranges you can get at Whole Foods. <laughs> Ew! That's a thing? <laughs> yeah, but they package it in plastic as if there isn't, uh, I don't know, nature-made packaging. <laughs> An organic substance in this world that could be used to perhaps <laughs> preserve the inside of that orange. Ew. I, I feel like I've seen that in a meme, but I forgot about it. I repressed it because that is <laughs> horrifying. It's just so maddening, the the path we've gone down as a species, that we've made it to the point that we're unpackaging and repackaging in harmful plastics an orange. <laughs> that feels disgusting because I'm trying to... I'm studying a lot more sustainability stuff. I'm trying to figure out solutions for these problems and to create a new problem by peeling the orange is just like, why, my guy? That was a problem that was solved. You don't need to then try and resolve it by figuring out how (laughs) to package it in a way that's good for the environment. It came that way. It (laughs) was already packaged in a way that was good for the environment. An orange peel is compostable. My guy. My dude. Oh, my dude. Um, um, that yeah. sounds very Japanese. Oh, no. <laughs> it's just that life here is full of plastic, and I don't understand why every peach needs to be wrapped in a, in a little cocoon of, like, styrofoam and then put in a little cardboard boat and then wrapped in a piece of plastic. No. I know they're delicate things. It's unnecessary, though. It's too much. Don't do this to the peach and to our pocketbooks and to our environment. It's too much. It's too much. Let's figure it out. But we're trying to approach sustainability from love. Let's 
work on this together. This is not about blaming. This is about progress. We're learning together. I learned something about... We're talking about sustainability. Emily is learning more about it and is a superhero who's using it to apply it, you know, just in life. And that is the most important thing I've ever heard in my life. I learn about stuff that I'm doing and stuff that I should correct that I don't. I learned that it is better for the environment if you clean out your email inbox so that you don't have 4,000 unread emails and an additional 10,000 read ones. (laughs) And uh, because of the energy it takes to maintain the servers, uh, that consumes consumes energy because those emails are stored in the cloud but the cloud is just servers uh so the stuff you don't think about yeah that i learned i work in the email industry and so i learned that but i still do have four thousand unread emails and ten thousand read emails in my in my personal gmail account it has gotten out of hand sometimes i think maybe it's time to just throw the whole thing out and start with a new one i do that a lot i have like five different email accounts so i do sometimes just start over and i guess that's not a good thing i got really proud of myself while you're talking for just half a second by being like i usually have less than 15 emails in my inbox guess where the rest of them go. I open them. I'm like, okay, look this over. They go straight to a folder. I do not need to keep my receipts from 45 years ago about (laughs) some phone bill. I don't need them, but I'm a natural born hoarder. So I just pocket them for later. And I thought that was fine. I never knew (laughs) Like, this is sustainability in a nutshell, where somebody tells you, this thing isn't good and I'm doing this, and you're like, I might be a better person because I don't do that. (laughs) And then immediately you're like, no, I'm absolutely doing a similar thing in a similarly destructive way. So it sucks for all of us, and we're all learning together. (laughs) We're all learning together on this new podcast, Play on K, the sustainability (laughs) podcast. (laughs) We will drop this in a moment, but first, can I say no (laughs) NFTs? Like, that's it. That's the last message we're going to deliver. I didn't know that NFTs were so harmful to the environment, but like blockchain, Bitcoin, Ethereum, NFTs, get it out of here. I didn't know that, though. Is that a similar idea to, like, server storage? Because I had heard that, but I I have no clue what the explanation was. I tried reading it one time, but it was one of those Instagram posts where you just scroll through the slides, and Uh it wasn't maybe the most intuitively explained. And my dumb little side-scrolling monkey brain said, noted, and then I forgot. Yeah, so they work off of blockchain technology which keeps track of every interaction ever had on the blockchain and between i'll say bitcoins but i think this goes for any internet money uh similar technology to bitcoins i've forgotten what they're called like Uh, bitcoin and ethereum cryptocurrency strong start so any (laughs) cryptocurrency is stored using blockchain technology, which just keeps track of every single interaction and the way you the way you get more bitcoins or more cryptocurrency is by mining them, by making your computer solve complex equations to get more. And they were created so that these problems get harder and harder to solve over time so that it's harder and harder to make more bitcoins or more money, which seems inherently like a good thing that keeps the currency stable, but it requires more and more energy from your computer to run. So we're getting this huge scale of computers that are wholly devoted to Bitcoin mining. And as it gets harder and harder to do, they require more and more energy. And then you get more and more computers that are working harder and harder and more and more air conditioning to keep them from exploding and just all this energy 
is obviously derived from fossil fuels, as most of our energy on Earth is. So it's a very destructive little system. That is so interesting. I had today I learned, and that gives me I'm gonna remember this. I might even read my own do my own research on this so that the next time my coworkers are hanging out and they start talking about cryptocurrency and NFTs, I can say, No. <laughs> Welcome to my high horse. Are you ready? <laughs> <laughs> They're bad for the environment, and that's why I don't use them. It's not because I could never in my life afford one. But also, (laughs) that seems inherently wrong as well, because they were created so that everybody could have access access to a global currency. So, (laughs) hi, welcome to my high horse. It's time (laughs) for Raquel's show. I have a coworker who told me my favorite cryptocurrency story I've ever heard in my life, and it's that back when he was a teenager, in like the, um, like, I don't know, probably the... 2000, early 2010s. Um, he, what, he was just a teen. It was him and his brother. They were hanging out and they had somehow received some kind of cryptocurrency, Bitcoin, I'm sure, or something. And that was really cool. And then when they went to order a pizza, they didn't have a credit card, but they did have Bitcoin. So they bought their pizza with Bitcoin and, (laughs) and they would have had a lot more money then that pizza was good, probably, at this point. And oh, it is no. it is perfection to me. It is my favorite <laughs> story in this world. <laughs> that they used a Bitcoin that is now worth, like, 150000 U.S. dollars <laughs> to buy a pizza. Oh, a my guy. Yeah. Oh. Rip. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that hurts. That hurts to hear. Yeah. He's a super nice guy, too. And I was just so honored that he shared that story with with us one day during a meeting. <laughs> That's trust. That's vulnerability with your group. Yeah, so I figured I'd tell all of the K-Drama podcast <laughs> listeners who listen to us. Who listen it. to us exclusively for our crypto news. <laughs> you guys came for the K-Dramas, and you stayed for the... Horrible lecture on things I learned yesterday. <laughs> uh, we probably should have a podcast called Things I Learned Yesterday, where we present poorly researched information. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be one article that I read. Here we go. Let's take a deep dive. I trust oh. this one article entirely to deliver all of the news, and but I will not be reading it. I will be giving you <laughs> no. my, my cliff notes. my interpretation and poor memory combined to make this (laughs) to make this show possible thank you to both of them oh god this is why we don't riff at the beginning of our shows because we're (laughs) dumb and too opinionated for our own good that's honestly what 100% what it is that is 100% what it is, is being incredibly overly opinionated and not smart enough to have the opinions I have. I am so terrified every day of getting called out. But when we talk about K-dramas, it's simply observations. Yep. You can't be mad at us because uh, we don't claim to know anything. We have never brought you value through this podcast. <laughs> we have never gotten you behind the scenes on the making of a show or where the story came from or deep dives on the actors' lives or literally any value. Anything that we could bring to the table, we choose not to and simply <laughs> go with observations. <laughs> That's why we never monetized, guys, because we're worthless. Because yeah. there is zero worth here. <laughs> the horse what? is high, but the pocketbook is empty. <laughs> um, so is the brain. Show. <laughs> Should we jump into what we do best? Yeah, the thing that people come here for. Are you all ready to talk about our first three episodes? Of should we uh, introduce ourselves before I say that? Before should I should I say yeah. I'm Raquel and I tell you the numbers of the episodes and what we watched? 
Sure, I'm Emily, and I do the other half of the intro where I tell you about the show, and yeah. that's what that's what we'll do now. <laughs> And welcome to Play on K, the Korean drama podcast with Emily and Raquel. And this is the show where we take a K drama, we watch it now three episodes at a time. Let's have no consistency across our show at all. And we get <laughs> together here every week to talk about it. Yeah. This week we watched the first three episodes of Dr. Romantic, the first season. Ooh. Dr. Romantic 1. Yeah, it's one of my all-time favorite K-dramas, and every time I say that about a show and then I rewatch it, I get incredibly self-conscious about just the quality of the show. I'm like, am I trash? Is everybody going to be like, she likes this? This is terrible. It's a good show, but it did make me mad at multiple occasions, and I'm sure that that does not come as a surprise after rewatching the first three episodes. Not at all. I think a lot of, especially our good main boy, who's one of your favorite actors, just Mm -hmm. a real gem in real life. He's a troll, a, a garden gnome of a man, and he has a journey that's beautiful to watch, but it has to make you really hate him at the, at the front so that we can follow that journey and be happy at the end. Yeah, it's interesting because I didn't even hate... Well, okay, I hated something he did in the first episode, which we can get into. Um, The sexual assault? Yes, the (laughs) full-on sexual assault against his female superior, who was... Who pretty much said no, and he still removed her hand from his shoulder. And that was a nightmare. I couldn't have been more just boiling hot angry than I was in that moment. And uh, he, honestly, he was fine up until that point. It's really just downhill from there. He just felt very entitled to that entire interaction. And then when he saw her standing there after she told him he had crossed a line, he did approach her once more to just with a smug smile on his face. I just hated him so much from that <laughs> that moment on. I didn't even if he wants to smash all the expensive hospital machines as a teenage boy, do it, bro. Get it. Oh dang. I was uh it feels like a very teenage thing to do where I was like, yeah. there's there's other options. Uh It's not great. I just don't care that he great. did it. <laughs> yeah, I that's just, fair. I just felt like yeah, that was a teenager thing to do. We are not the type to dismiss uh, the sexual assault as boys will be boys, though. That is not just a boys thing to do. That's no, just a but it kind of felt like a classic K-drama thing to do, which not to call out all K-dramas, but dang, sometimes the older ones are very much into the trope of if a woman doesn't like it, just keep doing it until she does, bro. She's playing hard to get. She doesn't know what she wants. She's confused. She's just a confused woman. <laughs> Grossarooney. Grossarooney. You said you didn't want to talk about that yet, and I was like, how about we do? <laughs> I mean, I brought it to the table. How dare I believe that we could skim past that and circle back? That is not us. <laughs> it's also first episode stuff, which feels good. It's somewhat mm-hmm. chronological to cover that at the top yeah um no what what were we talking about we were talking about how it makes us really hate him and i said i didn't hate him that bad through the first episode up to and until we'll say until the sexual assault in the supply closet after she had been crying but it was pretty much everything after that episodes two and three i just could not be bothered with that young man for any amount of time that he was on the screen, I was furious. I was so mad because he, I mean, first of all, never make the mom sad. Never make your mom, if you're making your oh mom sad, God. 
you're done. You're out of here. <laughs> you're avoiding your own mother's phone calls. Get out of here. Yeah. I don't even care how sad you are. If she's going to make you cry, you fuck, you fucking answer her phone call and you cry. That's what you do. <laughs> she gave birth to you, you monster. <laughs> and it's not even that, right? Like, she, he doesn't owe her anything for giving birth to him. He probably owes her something for being, like, a cute mom who cares about him and calls him yeah. and wants to know what he's up to and, like, how he's doing. And she, I, she's given me no reason to dislike her but he's given me plenty of reason to dislike him so i'm gonna go ahead and trust that she's the good guy in this party and not just harassing him that's fair it's hard when kind of the only scene we got with them in the same room was her just nagging him about his existence which is always rough to be like why are you doing the things you're doing why don't you do things differently it's like i get why you might not pick up her phone call every time but then he finally does he picks up his mom's phone call and she's like hey son i just want to make sure you're doing okay and i love you and i support you and everything you do and you're like i bet she's like that 99 percent of the time and they just gave us the one scene where she finally was like i would rather you be happy than miserable so maybe maybe go find some friends and stop obsessing over the hospital that your dad died in and yeah the nagging just came off wrong but she's really the best mom ever, and he's being the worst. Yeah. I think I think we all landed on that by the end. Yeah, we got there. We were like, ah, I see why she asked him to stop being such a twerp all the time, because he's a twerp <laughs> all the time. <laughs> yeah, I have no patience for him because he's such a hypocrite. How, remember as a teenage boy when he broke all of those machines and he shouted at the director of the hospital that he, his dad was there first and his dad deserved to live or whatever, yada yada. And then he kowtows to that dude as an adult. He goes ahead and just like licks that dude's boots as an adult. And we don't even get an explanation. We have to do mental gymnastics to think maybe he's trying to take that dude's position so that he can make the changes that he wants to see in the hospital or something. That's all I could think of. But he never says that. He's just like, no, I just keep my head down and try and be the best. And you're like, why? What is being the best going to do for you? And how is being the best involved in sucking up to this douchebag that you're pretty sure killed your father anyways. I don't yeah. get it. Yeah. Like, that dude neglected to treat your father to treat a VIP, and now you, that's what you're doing because you think that it's your opportunity to do things. And I, Yeah, My I guess guy. I just don't understand his logic there that he thinks he's going to make a real change. I make what change you're already doing the exact same thing that dude did like how do you not see it are you a are you the dumbest person alive or just <laughs> or do you just seem like it because <laughs> right now you kind of seem like it you're a giant entitled child and we can't find your reasoning for your actions it doesn't make yeah. sense yeah but this is my favorite show I've ever seen, so I just want everybody <laughs> to know my name is on that. My stamp of <laughs> approval is on this show. It, it It'll is, get better, I think. It's very satisfying in that it does feel almost... It has a very classic K-drama feel without maybe feeling too antiquated. Is that the right word to use? It doesn't feel... Yeah. It doesn't feel... It feels almost... To, so K-dramas is to, like, a soap opera, right? It feels almost soap opera-ish. Or watching um, maybe Grey's Anatomy, but, you know, where there's that level of drama that almost takes you out of it, right? But then what this has that soap operas don't, I don't know if Grey's Anatomy does, because I actually didn't watch that show. Maybe I probably shouldn't have, have invoked yeah. it. Um, <laughs> but... Uh, but it does a thing where just when I'm thinking, ah, oh, this is kind of maybe brain candy drama, you know, they're just doing 
dramatic stuff. Like, her fiancé dies the day that she gets kissed by another man, and she has to live with the guilt, and and all of this drama is coming out. But then they do something really, really interesting that actually has me legitimately on the edge of my seat that has nothing to do with personal drama and everything to do with... uh, I was really shaky on it until, like, the actual medical stuff in this show... Until the surgery on Dr. Yoon's wrist. Oh my god. Oh. It's gross to watch, but I was on the edge of my seat, very, very nervous about it, in a way that I wasn't for the first couple of medical procedures, because in the first episode, they feel maybe hammed up, you know? Like, oh, someone gets bumped and drops the concrete and... The, the the rebar comes out of the dude, and she puts her finger in the oh thing, my God. It's and it's so insane. Much. It's insane. It's just drama. Like you know, it, that's where it starts to feel like a soap opera, right? Where it, ugh, it's just it's it, it's fun to see her being a super capable doctor, but other than that, it's just a lot to handle. <laughs> But uh, that scene in particular, the surgery on her wrist, was so... I was on the edge of my seat because it was a quiet kind of intensity, right? Where it, he's just marveling at how quick this dude is and how it needs to be done in a certain time limit because of the tourniquet that they have on. And it's just super, super fascinating. And I just... I, I got really into that part, clearly. <laughs> yeah! Yeah, I think that's the beauty of this show is Master Kim, Master Master Dr. Kim and his like quiet mastery of surgery and his skills in the surgical center that aren't on display that there's just one other person in the room who's really impressed by this whereas yeah, I think when there's a huge audience, a bunch of people circling this guy with the rebar sticking out of him and she does something crazy to save his life it feels kind of like dr kong said it felt a little bit like showmanship it felt a little disingenuous in terms of just trying to save this guy's life and a little bit more like i want to be seen as index finger girl or whatever her weird nickname was yeah and i I think they did a fairly good job of balancing that and her being like, it wasn't just about that. It was about saving this guy's life. And that's all I could think of. I had just come out of a state of shock and this guy was bleeding out in front of me. I don't think that was the best thing to do, but I think it was the only thing that I could do. And that's an interesting conundrum that... We see through this whole show is that balance of what's the best thing for saving a patient versus what is the procedure that we are supposed to walk through before we can do something. And I think that's inherently dramatic. It's inherently dramatic to go, we don't follow rules here, we just save lives. And you're like, um, I mean, rules are maybe I'm just such a rule follower. So it makes me a little bit uncomfortable, but rules exist for safety. It's not like other hospitals are like, we have rules and we hope people die. Like, mm, I think they use rules to save lives like a higher percentage of the time. But I get, I get why there's a little bit of argument of, and we use rules to protect our doctors from being sued for malpractice. There's a little bit of both. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm team. There's room for both. There's room for balance here where I don't necessarily think we have to wait for the patient's guardian to arrive before we do, uh, and give their consent before we do a procedure. I'm team that one nurse who said, I'll just go call them. Call them. (laughs) (laughs) Um, did, did he not know that was an option? Yeah, why does he act like phones don't exist? like we have to wait for them to drive an hour to get here and everyone's like my guy this patient will die literally why does it take nurse park being like or we could call them a best of both worlds yeah. you need a raise my guy 
Also, <laughs> marry me. But you need a perfection. Raise. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love him and that moment because I just didn't understand. I didn't. That entire scene leading up to that moment where Nurse Park was the voice of reason. Uh, I actually think it was Dr. Master Kim that gave him the directive to call them, but that was super, super reasonable, and he was super, super reasonable about that. The whole scene leading up to it, I was furious at every single person in that room. I did not know why not a single person knew how to just say okay to something, or say... Uh, it was just that everyone was incredibly needlessly argumentative with each other, no matter who that person was, including the director of the hospital. <laughs> the director of medicine said a thing, and everyone said, I'm going to go ahead and argue back, That is what I'm go going to do, loudly. I just... It's... <laughs> I think that's... Yeah, this show requires a lot of suspense, of disbelief. Where you just have to be fine with doctors standing over a patient who requires immediate medical care and just yelling at each other in the middle of the ER. You're like, yes, yeah. this is a scenario that would happen. One doctor just putting down his stethoscope, <laughs> walking away, and it requiring a nurse calling him four times and then p patients running after him to beg him to care for their son before he's like, actually, I will do my job. I will oh go God. ahead and stick around and save this person's life. You, that was in question. That was <laughs> sincerely in question. You, I, I actually had to fast forward uh, because I was so mad that he was standing there while someone was dying from poisoning and he was just standing there weighing his options i fast forwarded until the next scene because i just got so mad i did not see the patients run up i did not see what helped him come to his decision <laughs> i was just like he better figure it out or i'll turn the show off but we'll see what happens in the next scene that is probably the thing that i disliked most about this show in the first and this walkthrough is the doctors making decisions internally, not quickly. Like in real time, you have to watch him think, this might be my very last chance. And he's, his freaking internal thoughts are going that quickly. Like real time, if he was speaking as slowly as possible, that's how fast his brain is working. Like this is a smart dude. I feel like it would make more sense if the background characters were paused or yes. at least moving in really, really slow motion and everything around him was just slowed down and he was like, do I do this? Do I not do this? But this show is like, nope, these doctors are the slowest decision makers you've ever seen in your god dang life. Yeah, and everybody has to physically yell at them to get them to make a decision. <laughs> With a professionalism setting of negative 10 at all times. Yeah. Just completely unprofessional. That was what got me the most for sure. And yeah, I don't even, like, if they did, if they paused it or did slow motion, or even, I know, a, there were a few scenes that I almost wondered if they would take some inspiration from Scrubs. Because there was a scene, like, at the very, very beginning, right after he, after who I think we all know is Dr. Master Kim, tells teenage Dr., uh, shoot, what's his name? Kong? Dr. Kong? It's Kong, Kong Dong, Dong Ju. Ju. Okay, yes. Nice. Um, Whoa, you remembered. Oh my god. <laughs> I had to think about it for a long time, but I remembered. Uh... <laughs> When he's a teenager and he's standing in the hospital and people start to blur rush past him and he's just standing still, that was that reminded me of Scrubs so potently that I was so into as a kid. I, I watched mm -hmm. it when I was like a teenager and I was obsessed with it. Yeah, and me too. It was so good. And I wondered if they'd do something like that, right? Where uh, it doesn't even have to be as comedic, but if instead of us watching him have his thoughts very slowly in real time, if there was ever a moment where, you know, they had clearly stepped out of time. Where, like, so, there's so many times in scripts when JD steps out of time and has a complete hallucination, 
But then everyone makes it very apparent that that's been almost zero time. Yeah, I think that would have been an interesting choice. Like, it's hard to imagine, because I also loved Scrubs, but I feel like this show makes use of being in the middle of a really tense moment. So I don't know if it would have worked to fast forward like that, where I think JD in the show has things set up to run without him and then he zones out for a minute while things keep going whereas this show is like a decision needs to be made right now and one of the doctors is just completely out of it so i'm like slow it down so that it seems like they're making the decision much much faster than they are um no neither neither of the above we're not playing with time this is real time (laughs) it's uncomfortable it makes me nauseous to watch Turns out he got the top score in the whole country on the medical board exam, but also what they didn't tell everyone is that the timer had broken and he got so much. It was untimed, so he (laughs) took three days to take it. (laughs) He's the slowest decision maker we've ever met, dumb as hell, but he's a fine doctor. (laughs) He did get the answers right eventually. Um, Remember later that night when the poor man died and this doctor went into the hallway and yelled at an old couple that their son had died? He's been a doctor for a lot of years now, too, I think, right? Well, he he was an intern five years ago, so he went through his residency and now he's a doctor and we're supposed to believe he got there, but he's never had to explain to patients before that their son didn't make it or that he's never had to break the bad news, but he's been working in a hospital for five years. But also, yeah. when the first time he does break the bad news, he just screams at the bereaved parents. He loses his dang mind? What? Um, you should be fired right now. That is inappropriate on so many levels. But yeah, he said he's never lost a patient before, which, fine, whatever, maybe that's believable. Have you never been part of a team where you weren't directly in charge, so your name wasn't on the death certificate, and you never had to watch the doctor give the bad news? It's just never come up, never once. Never once. We've never had to, uh, we've never had to try to be professionals in any, under any circumstances, under any conditions. We have terrible bedside manner, both to the patients, to their families, and to each other. Everyone's always <laughs> yelling and arguing all the time. No one can put their pride aside and do the right thing. We're going to s- just scream constantly. That's it. That's our M.O. And that's what I love about this show. No, <laughs> I, think, I think the thing that I loved the most about this show was the flashbacks. No, also not that. Why do they have so many flashbacks? Lots of those. The thing, the thing that I loved about this show was how dramatic it is. It, I think you touched on this. It's just, you're inundated constantly with every possible scenario that you could ever think of. And then make it times 10. Make it the most dramatic possible scene. Like the guy choking at the casino. It could have been a thing. It could have been an interesting thing. But instead, it felt like a 20 solid minute scene with these two guys yelling at each other until one of them just gets checked and forcibly removed from the situation and then almost gets his hand chopped off. Like, that's that's a thing that we're doing? I... It feels reminiscent of my high school experience, where part of it was just wanting to be friends with the most dramatic people possible. And being <laughs> like, I don't, I don't have a dramatic life. I'm a very boring person with <laughs> a pretty chill personality. Spice it up. Somebody else spice it up for me. This show does that. <laughs> It's spicy in every possible way. There's not a single character who's not spicy as hell here. Yep. Oh, I love it. It's stupid, and I love it. It is. It is. There are so many scenes that are that kind of brain candy that I mentioned, but in a way that I like, that I kind of eat it up. Um, 
I am hoping for more brain candy that I can eat up about the I so here's the thing as furious as I am I'm still a stupid ham who I do want it to work out for the two romantic leads for sure I do but also I want there to be a lot of growth and then I want to see some pining some (laughs) we shouldn't make this happen because we've really done a bad job up to this point so let's just pine for each other secretly I want them to have a a period of time where they want each other and then they are adults about it and they don't do anything because they focus on other things that are going on, like their work and their their medical stuff or whatever, and they go ahead and do that. And that's what I want to see. And so I'm hoping to get that. We'll see what happens. I, I fully expect... Uh, our male lead to grow a lot. He, he feels like one of those characters that right now I can't stand a single thing he does, but I also see him in his very, very painfully long thought processes actually <sighs> thinking about stuff and trying to learn. So he's he's working Maybe on it. Maybe he'll get there. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I had, a, I had a quick question for you, though. Sorry. Was there something you wanted to say about that before I moved on? No, I'm also team these leads getting together and fully support everything you said. And I'm anticipating your question with Glee. Uh, I want to know about how we feel about people who have mental, certain mental conditions. Like in this particular instance, some form of active psychosis, and I mean that in the way that she hears and sees things that aren't there, how we feel about her losing her job over it. Because I think that that's a very complicated, nuanced issue, because I don't necessarily think that she should be able to do that. She should be able to maybe practice medicine, maybe within like a certain time frame of a psychotic episode. That's what it sounded like she was doing before, where she was banned from the surgical room but dang you really came in hot with the hard questions it's hard because he even cited the article of the doctor's code that seemed like a pretty solid article that's like you can't treat patients if you're having certain psychological issues that's not okay i have felt safer knowing that existed yeah and it, but it's hard. It's hard having the reverse where we know her and how hard she's working to overcome what she's going through and how hard she or how badly she wants to be a doctor and be a really, really good doctor. I think just in these few episodes that we've seen, it did seem reasonable to fire her and just outright go, especially since she was trying to work like an hour after her episode. I don't know how time works in this show. Maybe it was a day later. But to be like, you just got out of surgery. You're supposed to be recovering both physically and mentally. And for some reason, you are trying to drag a patient into surgery. You can see how that is dangerous and not okay. And I can no longer trust you to make decisions for yourself. So I can't trust you to make decisions for patients. It's like you've crossed a dozen lines by being in this in this room and trying to make decisions for this patient. So you're just fired. Like you've completely lost my trust in this scenario. But yeah. But then the final scene was I think really powerful to be like she does still have so many skills to offer and she can still save lives. We just maybe need a more controlled pathway between her and the patients. I yeah, I thought that was really interesting too cuz yeah, I don't think he would have made he didn't seem to have any intention of making that decision up until she was shout arguing with him that she would be doing the surgery or something, I can't remember. But she she was having an argument with him. She did not remain on it, it is that thing, right? That is exactly how I felt about it too. I'm so glad you said it in the way you did that she didn't seem capable of making decisions for herself cuz I think in that situation, it seems like it's noble and correct to be very self-sacrificing and say, no, I just want to get back 
out there and help people. But how are you supposed to help people if your own cup isn't full or something? There's a saying like that, I think, that where it's yeah. like, you if you're empty, you can't do anything to help fill others. Uh, and if you are a medical doctor who needs to make important medical judgment calls and who needs to who needs to be capable of telling patients what they need to remain healthy who is incre- clearly incredibly physically and mentally not healthy at that point it, i think the right call is for them to lose their job they're not making decisions consistently but then they're argumentative about not getting to make those decisions for patients. And it's like, you can't, you can't even make a decision for yourself. You, you're losing it. You've got to go. You leave the hospital now. No, don't come back here unless you want to lay in a bed. But that doesn't change my decision here. Yeah, because we asked you to lay in a bed. We asked you to take some time off and heal and recover. And for some reason, you are trying to attend to patients, and that's not okay. That's not okay on so many levels. So if you're going to do that, then you're going to be asked to leave on a very permanent level. And that's that's it, my guy. You're endangering my patients. I think, yeah, it felt right, which makes me so f- frustrated. It, I think, felt like a very deal-breaker scenario for her character, where I don't remember what happens. Obviously, she probably comes back in some capacity because she's the female lead. She has to be in the show. And they've started to make this pathway for her at the end of episode three. But how does she gain our trust back? How does she gain Master Dr. Kim's trust back? What does that look like? Because it seems like she kind of walked off a cliff at this point with that scene, and it's hard to regain everyone's trust after clearly being so incompetent as a doctor. Yeah. Which sucks, because I loved seeing her be a comp- competent doctor. Uh, yeah. But here we are. But here we are. <laughs> um, I have one last thing that I wanted to say, and then, obviously, if there's anything you wanted to cover before we wrap up, then we yeah. can... Cool, cool. So I just wanted to mention that I'm going to be extremely disappointed if her late boyfriend, the one, uh, Dr. Moon, who dies in the first episode, if he really was cheating with that nurse that it seemed to imply that he was, but with no real evidence, like they had a conversation and then Dr. Is it Kong or Dong? Kong. Kong Dongju. Kong Dongju. Okay, Dr. Kong just sees them speaking and decides that he has seen enough. And it, obviously, like, his own judgment being clouded by his creepy romantic affection for his superior. <laughs> um, anyway, I will be severely disappointed if that comes to fruition and that was a thing and he was having an affair or whatever because I hate the trope that the other person, the secondary, like the secondary interest or whatever of one of the leads has to be the pits in order for the other person to leave, right? Or like in comparison, I mean, Dr. Kong sucks, but in comparison, what a great guy because he would never cheat on you. It's like, no, I don't need that. I need it to be an actual incompatibility, not like a, you know, I guess some could make the uh, the argument that sleeping with other people is a pretty severe incompatibility, but. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's really tricky because she doesn't know about it and it feels inappropriate to have Dr. Kong be the one to tell her, like, well, just so you know, your dead ex-boyfriend was cheating on you, so maybe don't be so caught up in this guilt cycle where your PTSD is telling you that you should have maybe gotten engaged and not said that you were swayed by my confession because... He never loved you anyways. It's like, no, that should not come from this guy. And he's literally the only person who knows besides the nurse who I'm sure 
our doctor is not in contact with. Yeah. So it's an awkward situation that probably could have just not been a storyline at all. And yeah, to double down on it, maybe not being a storyline at all, we can see it is just gross to be like, her options are really, really bad. She's going to choose the lesser of two evils. The one who sexually assaulted her is going to be the knight in shining armor because it is in comparison to the guy who is cheating on her and drove home drunk and almost ruined her life and career. So, I mean, <laughs> it's like, do you want us to be sad for her? Because now I'm just sad for her. Yeah, like at this point, she deserves more. As occasionally infuriating as she is, she deserves a lot better than these two choices. <laughs> and then these two choices are getting thrown in her face as the choice that she can no longer ever make ever again, even if she wants to. Survivor's guilt, how you doing? <laughs> and the one who ma is making her feel partially so survivor's guilty. Yep, one that's triggering all her PTSD and also has never really been good to her, but feels entitled to be part of her life. I I still ship it because I'm broken <laughs> on the inside, but like when you put it this way, I feel guilty about shipping it. Just everybody change, okay? Everybody be a little bit better. Just step up just a tiny, tiny bit. Let's let's raise the bar of expectation and then keep trying to meet it. Okay. Um, this is also including Master Dr. Kim. I kind of also want him to change where he has... I think the show is about him being perfect and helping other people achieve his godlike level of saving people above all else. But it was interesting. He had a line when he first met... Kong Dongju, at some point he says, we, we don't care about rules and regulations here, we care about saving people. And again, maybe just the rule follower in me was triggered, but it's so complicated, right? There are so many factors that go into being a doctor and administering health services, where it's like, yeah, maybe you should give surgery without written consent from a guardian because it is the thing that you think will save this person's life. But there are some facets of healthcare that you should probably follow the rules because statistically that's what saves a life. I don't, it's just not as black and white as being like, what I do saves people. What other people do, that doesn't save people. That kills people. <laughs> and you're like, my guy... That is a god complex that I could not handle. Yeah, it is. It takes all of the nuance out of everything. And I think it doesn't leave room for acknowledging that... I don't think this is the case with everything, but I think both of us are kind of rule followers at heart. But I don't think this is the case with everything. I think that some rules should be pushed back on, but some rules are legitimately in place to save lives. Like, like for example the rule for doing surgery in, like, a sterile environment yeah. is in place because sterilization is key to cutting someone open and having them not develop, like, sepsis or, um, what's the other one? It starts with an M. I don't think it's MRSA, but that's the only thing that is coming to my mind. But it's like You're an infection ahead of me. that you develop <laughs> from, like, hospitals specifically, like, people get it in hospitals and die. And now I'm really curious, so I'm gonna Google it. Oh, it's MRSA, but it's like MRSA, methicillin-resistant staphylococcus aureus. Infection is caused by a type of staph bacteria that's become resistant to many of the antibiotics used to treat ordinary staph infections, and I think it's a thing in hospitals, specifically because they disinfect things so often that like super bacteria lives in hospitals uh but it's an infection that people get in hospitals and they're killed which is why a sterile environment is so so important and obviously like it sounds like MRSA might come from over sterilization but also also 
I don't know. Yeah, it's just, yeah, there's, there are certain rules that are in place that do save lives, that avoid complications or issues. I don't think that maybe we have to wait for the long drive of the guardians to get to the hospital is a good rule. Like, yeah, it's a life-saving rule to say we can call the guardians. Or like, even if like this person's in critical condition and they haven't signed an NDR, a or a DNR, do not resuscitate, then you're allowed to resuscitate that person and do what it takes to save their life without permission because there's no do not resuscitate order in place. But also prepare an operating room, for example. <laughs> Your god complex is out of control. At least move them to the hybrid room. I think that's yeah. what it's for. Yeah. But, yeah. To cut someone open in the middle of the ER and go, we prioritize saving people, not rules here, is like, <laughs> my guy, I think you're confused on what the rules are about. We probably could have done this a little more safely. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's hard. You have to be fully invested in Dr. Master Kim having zero flaws and getting behind that, but... Like I said, I think that's the most interesting part of the show is this great debate on what are the rules for, what rules should we break to be able to save lives more quickly, what is being a doctor all about anyways, and what has the hospital system become in in modern days. Is it more about saving people or is it more about climbing some stupid corporate ladder? Let's dive into all of this and more with Dr. Romantic. Like, <laughs> I like that. I think that's cool. Those are big topics to approach through an overly dramatic, overly sexy hospital drama with disgustingly um, intense surgery scenes every four minutes. <laughs> Let's do Just it. Constantly. Just, Let's, your Let's freaking props department is doing a really good job and I hate it. <laughs> Uh, I think that's everything for me. Was there any last topics on your on your end? I don't think so. I think we kind of covered everything. I will say I cried really, really hard at the parents who lost their son, and I thought it was nice that Dr. Kong finally called his mom after he saw these this old couple lose their only son who was the most precious thing in the world to them. I think that was just the tiniest little change in the right direction for him. So that that was nice to see. But I don't know There's if I just cried really hard because I'm on my period. It oh, might have yeah. not been the show. It might have been entirely me. <laughs> Mine's coming up, so maybe in the next three episodes I'll I'll get the chance to be like, yes, uh, confirmed. Or maybe... I won't cry. Who's to, we'll use, we'll be here for a while, so we'll use this show to judge. <laughs> am I crying because of hormones, or am I crying because it's sad? Because this show is just so well written. Uh, <laughs> we'll put it to the test. We will let you guys know. <laughs> here on the podcast. Can't wait. <laughs> <sighs> Time to break my wrist and then stumble off into the woods, guys. Um, that's it for me this week. <laughs> Hope I don't I die. forgot about that. So infuriating. <laughs> Get out of here. Oh, that's so <laughs> she infuriating. She, I, I'm, she did. She bounced. She GTF right owed. <laughs> <laughs> what is the plan? I don't. For real, I'm gone. I'm gone. Oh, <laughs> if you guys have opinions about this wild ride of a show, or also our little our little pre-show chat, if you're like, cut that out. I don't <laughs> like you guys that much. We will. We'll cut it right out. We no, will. No offense taken. No questions asked. But if you did like it, if you liked anything about this show, or if you're like, this show is bonkers, and I also hate it, <laughs> let us know that at playonkpodcast at gmail.com. Yeah, if you want to let me know how proud of me you am, you am, you are for pronouncing all of the words in MRSA correctly, 
you can comment that on the episode on our website, playonk.com, where you can also sign up for our newsletter or find links to all of our affiliates, including Skillshare, where you can click that link and go learn a new skill and help us out. You can do NordVPN, do some account security, and maybe get some K-dramas that aren't licensed in your region and clicking that link will help us out. Or if you are interested in starting a podcast, clicking that link for Blueberry Podcasting will also, that's right, help us out. <laughs> you can give us a quick hey on Instagram at Play on K Podcast or on Twitter at Play on K. And we're not on there much, but if you send us a message, we will see it. We That would be very nice. Thank you. Please, thank you. <laughs> Uh, I think that's everything. Do we have anything else that we need to do for housekeeping? Um, you can support us on Patreon if you oh, want yeah. zero prizes, but if you just want to keep this podcast on the road, that's patreon.com slash play on or there's a wink, a wink, a wink on our website. Uh, there's a link <laughs> on our website. And if you leave a review or a star rating Anywhere that you listen, that really helps other people find our podcast. And as we said, we read them and we love them. Thank you for everyone who's done that. Yeah, thank you so much. We did have a lot of stuff that we still had to do, huh? And you had yeah, to do but it I all. threw us off by doing Instagram because we don't even use that. Oh, yeah. We usually skip that one. I think I thought that you had done the... Uh, where to rate and review us because of that because it's been so long since we did social media and because my brain fully wanders during this housekeeping portion. I can never... I've tried everything to pay attention, and I don't know what it is. It's both of us. Sometimes I get lost in my own sentences, you know? Yeah, we just need to pre-record it and tag this on. That would be so much easier. <laughs> but then I couldn't tie in my own self-congratulations for word <sighs> medical True. word pronunciation. So... <laughs> gotta keep it yeah so join us next week uh i'll see if i can find some other obscure medical words to say out loud on the flight i probably will not that's probably a one-time thing i don't know why i'm latching onto this so hard anyway we're gonna watch the next three episodes of dr romantic season one next week and i can't wait to see you all and thank you for listening okay bye okay bye